friends, welcome back to the Stories of Wonder podcast. My name is Steph. We're continuing with the Wonder Conference content. This is session three, a sermon by Melissa Lipset. Hello, that's better. How are you doing? It's been such an incredible day. It's been such a joy to be with you, it really has. Uh, and, and I want to thank you for the very tender and precious stories that, uh, that have been shared today. Such an incredibly special gift, that rising of incense really. And um, our personal stories are not easy to share. And I just want to say thank you uh, to those who did. They were incredibly special. Now, the other thing I want to do is just to draw your attention quickly to some things that are on your seat. I talked about the ethical fashion guide before, and you've each got one now. This is hot off the press. Literally last week, you probably saw it on the news, I hope you do. Doesn't it look gorgeous? Aren't those colours beautiful? That's the ethical fashion guide so that you can become a better shopper. Also, to help you become a better shopper, we're going to give you the opportunity to buy some beautiful gifts. These are called Better World Gifts. And these are a wonderful present just prior to Christmas time. And I've just got a selection of them here. This is a gift for garment workers in Bangladesh. This is a chicken. You can buy a chicken for a family somewhere like the Solomon Islands or Nepal uh, or Africa. Or, I'm going to talk about vegetable gardens a bit later, you can buy a family or a community a vegetable garden. There's wonderful gifts out there that um, uh, Tish and John would love to um, share with you. And also, this is your special invitation to become a better world ambassador. Who wants to be a better world ambassador? Who wants to be a better world ambassador? Excellent. <laughs> now, in, in the interests of full disclosure, you have to pay some money to become a Better World Ambassador with us, um, but, but uh, you can choose the amount. So it can start at a very small amount and go to a very large amount. And we will help, we will take you on a journey um, to help you become a Better World Ambassador. And we will help you both to pray and to act for a better world. So that's my plug for those things. And now let me change gears. Now, a few years back, a beauty company blew apart the whole idea of a perfect woman by taking a quite average young woman and, tra and transforming her, photoshopping her, into this stunning billboard model. Now, you don't need to see the photo evidence. You've seen it before. This isn't about good grooming. They made her neck longer, her eyes bigger, and her cheeks thinner. And that was just her face. It was another attempt to distort our perception of real beauty. And shockingly, the research tells us that so-called beautiful babies are touch more than those considered less attractive. 
Beautiful children are given more attention in school. Attractive women find work more quickly and shockingly earn more. They get promoted more often and they're considered more intelligent so they often have more power. Isn't that weird? Aren't we just this perverted humanity? And of course, if you add physical or intellectual disability into the picture, you don't need me to tell you what limitations are placed on the value of these people's lives. The plain truth is that those who are considered to be physically beautiful are often elevated in our society. Part of the problem, though, is that human nature is expert at compromising truth and qualities like integrity and character are frequently overlooked. We value outward appearance and success above reliability and honesty and fidelity. And we reserve words like honour and valour for those who perform acts of bravery that are far beyond the scope of our ordinary lives rather than those in less obvious ways. But that's not how God sees it. From start to finish, the call from Scripture is for us to live in ways that are countercultural cultivating and displaying character traits of courage, honesty, discipline, integrity, generosity, humility and self-sacrifice. We're to nurture those, that fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the attributes of real beauty and what I believe flourishing actually looks like what it really means to live as God intends. Now, this might surprise you. It might even shock you. But I want to turn to a biblical model of flourishing. And to do that, I'm going to turn to, and she says very quietly, Proverbs 31. Oh no, oh no, you're all thinking. And I thought the same thing for years about Proverbs 31. The woman has looms, somebody's laughing, but it's nervous laughter, I know. (laughs) Because this woman has loomed so large over the picture of biblical womanhood that the mere thought of her makes the rest of us feel queasy, doesn't it? Yep, we're feeling queasy. Okay, but we're gonna turn that on its head in this next 20 minutes. because the passage actually contains some fantastic insights about character and wisdom and true beauty for everyone that we usually miss. Importantly, it has a lot to say about justice. And I bet you're finding that surprising that I'm saying that. You've probably never noticed it before. So I'm going to read the whole passage tonight. Actually, I'm not. I'm going to skip some of the queasy bits. But we're going to start right at the start because I don't think many of you have read right from the start before. So here we go. Proverbs 31, right from the start. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Who's the audience here? Is it women? 
No, it's men. Proverbs not the proverb is not about women at all. This proverb was for men in the day. Listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigour on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Can you hear the justice starting to come in here? Let beer be for those who are perishing, wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. What a funny lead up to this noble biblical wife and woman business. Essentially, what the psalmist is saying, look you men, look you men, you're spending your time and energy on the wrong things. You're all about self-gratification and that's not what God desires. And then before we get to the so-called job description for the wife of noble character, the psalmist then goes on to make this incredibly strong call for justice. Listen to this. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. It's right there in Psalm 31. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. This is a stunning and very serious call. Stop what you're doing. Stop with your selfishness and self-gratification. Stop only thinking about yourselves and start acting for others. Speak up for those who can't. Defend the rights of the destitute. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Remember those 2,000 verses relating to the alleviation of poverty and injustice? This is something that God takes very seriously indeed. I find it shocking that God's foundational vision for humanity is something that the, the church has neglected to take seriously. And instead, we've spent so much time and energy on things that don't matter. It makes me angry, in fact. But we take God's call to care about poverty and justice very seriously at Baptist World Aid. And I know many of you do too. Thank you for that. This is the call of the church. It's the call of living and sharing the whole gospel rather than just a part of it. I passionately believe that we are called to have a transforming relationship with Jesus, but we must also have a transforming relationship with the world. Now let me come back to the psalm though and read the verses you're probably more familiar with. And I'm going to skip some of these entirely, not because they don't matter, but because we're running out of time. So I'll just give you the flavour, okay? A wife of noble character. Here we go. These are the bits you know, aren't they? Who can find she is worth far more than rubies? Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. 
She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Skip a few. She is dressed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praised her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. How are you feeling? Well, on the face of it, I don't measure up. I don't like getting up while it's still dark. In fact, I really quite like a lie-in. And I wouldn't know how to buy a field. And did you know that in some parts of the world, it's illegal for a woman to do that? It's illegal for them to own property of any kind. So I'd love you to meet Bilhana, who's the first woman in her village in Nepal to have equal ownership of property with her husband. This is the first time it's happened in Bilhana's community. She was angry about the fact that women worked so hard in the fields and had nothing to show for it, nothing to pass on to their children, nothing to pass on to her children. So she began to gather people to talk about this problem. So we were able to come alongside Bilhana and her husband and we shared with her village the, the great benefits that might come with joint ownership of property because in actual fact, we know that if women participate in property ownership and they participate in family decision-making, that domestic violence and gender-based violence actually decreases. And you know what? Bilhana's husband jumped at the chance. And so he was the first man to make that possible in her village. They're setting an example to others and they're breaking down barriers. This is the sort of flourishing that Proverbs 31 is talking about. But some other parts of it are tricky. Now, I did grow up on a farm and I've thrown a bit of wool around in my time, but I can't knit to save myself and the extent of my sewing skill is replacing buttons. And I wish that every word out of my mouth was wise, but it's not. At least I'm truthful about that. Does that count? And my children have called me all sorts of things, but I'm not sure it's always been blessed. And does Pete, my husband, 40 years, think I'm noble? Well, you'd have to ask him, but it's not what I heard that time I stretched his new car. <laughs> so clearly, it's very hard to live up to this noble woman thing. 
but I don't believe that Proverbs 31 is meant to be a detailed list by which we measure our worth, or even worse, a detailed list by which others measure us. It's not about questioning, are we pretty enough? Are we smart enough? Are we sexy enough? Whatever enough. Or indeed, thinking that we are too much, as I find women often do. That we're too emotional, we're too reserved, we're too outgoing, we're too heavy, we're too tall, we're too short, we're too thin. We're either too little or too much. But you know, Proverbs 31 is not about that. It's not the actual details of the psalm that matter at all. It's the tone and the posture and the call in Proverbs 31 that we need to pay attention to. The psalm is actually just a poem written to paint a picture, to be a tangible expression of the whole book of Proverbs' celebrated virtue of wisdom. And it's packed with that exaggerated imagery just for the purpose of showing us what wisdom and character and flourishing look like in action. It's not designed to be a set of prescriptive commands to women, a task list to be worked through and ticked off. And regrettably, the details of the passage have long taken precedent over the intent. And somehow we've managed to turn the poem into something that it was never meant to be. And perhaps this also sounds shocking to you, but a Christian woman's highest calling is not to motherhood, marriage, or anything else, but to follow Jesus and to join him in his mission in the world. Just like it is for any and every believer, no matter our gender, no matter our age, our ethnicity, or any other difference. It's not the domestic accomplishments of the Proverbs 31 woman that matter. It's her virtues of justice, wisdom, and character. And it's what she does with and because of those virtues. Now, wisdom is almost always described in feminine terms in the Old Testament. It begins right back in chapter 1 in Proverbs, where we're given a picture of a kind of town crier who's crying aloud at, or at street corners to warn people to take stock of their lives and their foolish ways. And that type of wisdom, that type that calls out, that reminds me of a woman called Pachara, she lives in Malawi and Pachara became a widow in her 30s and didn't know how to take care of her six children. Have we got a picture of Pacharo there? Ah, excellent, thank you. But our partners in Malawi saw her strength and resilience and gave her an opportunity to develop a small plot of land with the help of some of those gifts like chickens and vegetable seeds. And soon Pachara was growing enough food to feed her family and even had enough to sell to provide a stable income. And then having been given this gift of self-sufficiency herself and experiencing the incredible difference this make, Pachara wanted others to know this flourishing too. 
So now she's raising her voice in public as the chair of her local village development committee. And Pacharo and her committee have raised enough money now for a small health clinic for their community. And they're just about to welcome their first community health worker to that clinic to provide medical care where there hasn't ever been any before. Pacharo is a leader that others look to and she's using her wisdom and her courage to help her whole community flourish. And wisdom continues to be portrayed right throughout the book of Proverbs as a brave, passionate woman with something important to say about the benefits and rewards of paying attention to wisdom and exercising it. But in reality, that's only possible for women today if they have opportunities like you and I do. There are young women like Joan in Uganda whose family circumstances and custom didn't allow her to go beyond primary school. But today she's learnt so much about her own gifts and abilities, not just in sewing but in leadership and advocacy that she's running her own business as a seamstress and she's teaching other young women the same. She now supports her family with her earnings and she's applying the principles that she's learned at youth clubs so that others can find purpose like she has. All because someone here in Australia became a sponsor for Joan and gave her the opportunity to be brave and learn and risk new things. And Joan has grabbed hold of that mantle of wisdom and valour and is passing it on. It's very inspiring and I've seen that again and again and again in our work. Proverbs 31 is not about the domestic details of our lives, it's about the substance of them. Being a person of wisdom and justice is a reflection of the one who made us, revealing the good works he's planned in us and through us since the beginning of creation, not saved by good works, but certainly saved for them. And of course, we see other qualities of character and inner beauty in the poem. So I'm going to highlight just a few. Charm is deceptive, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, let me go back to when the Israelites were brought together at Mount Sinai and given the Ten Commandments. You might remember that when the people saw the lightning and smoke and heard the trumpet, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance and they pleaded with Moses to speak on their behalf. They feared they would die if God spoke directly to them. But Moses told them not to be afraid and basically said that fearing God would be good for them. On one hand, we have don't be afraid. And on the other, we have, may the fear of the, God, of the Lord be with you. So what's that about? Well, Moses is telling his people that they shouldn't be afraid of coming close to God. They need to be close enough to hear his voice and that this is something they should welcome. But the fear Moses wants them to have 
is the fear of God's opposition to sin. That understanding that God hates sin, but loves us. And if we have a healthy fear of sin and God's anger towards it, we'll move closer toward him rather than farther away. Close enough to hear his words of love and encouragement. Close enough to care about others the way our Proverbs 31 woman does. Close enough to steward the gifts and graces that he's given every single one of us. Close enough to be compelled and empowered to make a difference in his name. Psalm 103 says, As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. What a place to live, secure in the very great and steadfast love of God. And you know, when that happens, when we live in that place, she who is clothed with strength and dignity can laugh at the time to come. Now, laughing at the future doesn't mean being short-sighted or foolhardy, but it does mean not being anxious or unduly worried about the future. It's about having a confidence and a hope for the future that transcends difficult times, very difficult times and circumstances, about holding on to our faith in the faithful one no matter what. Oh my goodness, we've heard some of that today from magnificent women. Because then, when we are that person, we set about our work, whatever that is, passionately and vigorously, our arms strong for the task. Just like a farmer named Judy, who lives in Kenya and has worked so hard to implement new agricultural practices that she's learnt and it's meant that even during the drought, her crop yields have grown not by 7%, not by 70%, but by 700%. And today, Judy's producing over 700 kilograms of maize and 200 kilograms of mung beans every year from her tiny plot of land. It's enough for her entire family to flourish, enough to sell and secure their future. Simply wonderful. But this verse isn't actually about physical ability. It's about focus and commitment and resilience and mental grit, like Judy's. It's about not giving up, but engaging in the fullness of life God intends to flourish. Now, clearly, the author of Proverbs had the suspicion that humans might easily be otherwise inclined. And if we turn to Proverbs 24 quickly, we can see this. I love Proverbs 24. It makes me smile that the Bible really does call somebody a sluggard. It does. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of a man who lacks judgment, was a man, not a woman. Gosh, I get naughty when I get tired. 
thorns had grown up everywhere and the ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied to my heart what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. The vineyard's potential fell tragically short at what it might have been because of the owner's neglect. He had no idea what potential he held in his hand. How did that happen? The proverb goes on, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now, sleeping and slumbering and resting, they're all metaphors for inactivity. They're not bad things in and of themselves, of course, but we're given a picture of how damaging apathy can be, a picture of what happens when we don't give something the energy it deserves, a picture of something that is important, but we don't care enough about it. And I suspect we all have unattended vineyards in our life. I know I do. They're the opportunities that we haven't taken, the relationships that we haven't tended, the bad habits that we've allowed to grow rather than pulling them up and burning them. It's neglect of the good of the good behaviors, the rhythms and the routines not planted or tended sufficiently. Neglect of something that has the potential to add value to life is tragic. How sad it is to see opportunities and possibilities lost when we simply fail to be the strong, creative, passionate, imaginative and resourceful women that God created us to be. How sad when our inherent promise and potential is compromised. But fortunately, we believe in a God who is much more powerful than us. And that God longs to be a living presence in each of of us. He longs to empower us to live lives of significance rather than of neglect and regret. At this stage in my life, I want to make a lasting contribution. I want the world to be better because I've lived and I imagine that you do too. And that leads us to the final insight from the Proverbs 31 woman. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Now, this isn't just about being generous with our money, although that's important too. This is about stewarding and being generous with our lives. While much of the world is bent on self-improvement, and of course there's some value in that, improving the lives of others is much more valuable. And I wonder if this might be as simple as starting each day, asking God, what can I do for you and for other people today, Lord. What can I do for you and for another person today, Lord? Now, the Hebrew words used here actually mean the hollow or the flat of our hand, hands outstretched, palms up, sending forth. It's the very opposite of a grasping to self posture. It's an open and giving posture. And of course, we see this most vividly 
in the person and sacrifice of Jesus, don't we? He gave up his power. He never grasped to self. He emptied himself and he gave to the vulnerable and those on the margins, the widow, the orphan, the prisoner, the untouchable, the unattractive, the sinner. He offered up his life so we'd be set free from the foolishness the Proverbs talks about and instead enter and live his abundant and flourishing life. His is the wisdom we seek. This is the beauty that is never fleeting. Because of his new life, his resurrection, we have all we need to be clothed with dignity and strength. When we fear him, when we love him as he first loved us, when we empty ourselves, we will live as he truly planned for us to. The wisdom we see in and through the Proverbs 31 woman can make a home in us only so much as we invite Jesus to. God is not going to simply reach down and make us wise and of good character. We get to choose who we will be every day. We get to choose to draw near to him or not. We get to choose whether we'll go close enough to hear his voice. But of course, we know the example of who God calls us to to be goes far beyond this Proverbs 31 woman. When we come to know Jesus and intentionally choose to follow him, we become like him. Only through him will we know the completion and fulfilment of all wisdom and character. Only in and through him will we and our world know true flourishing. So thank you for being women of wisdom and valour. Thank you for changing the lives of your families, your communities and the world. Our world is broken. You know that. And it needs every single one of us to be fully engaged with our God-given gifts and graces, perhaps more so now than at any time in history. And I pray you will find the place he calls you to make a difference. And I know that he will empower you to do that. Can I pray for us? Lord, I want to thank you for every woman in this room. I thank you that everyone represents a special story and that they are uniquely beautiful. But more importantly, that you have uniquely gifted them to serve you and our world. So may each of us be Proverbs 31 women in the very best sense. And as we rightly fear you, remove all of our other fears and anxieties so that we might live lives of purpose that make a difference. Lord, would you touch those of us who need healing for a myriad of difficult and distressing things. 
Don't let us be hindered by these, Lord, but lead us forward in Your strength and power and goodness. We want to flourish and we want our world to flourish. So may Your Kingdom truly come on earth as it is in heaven. And may we participate in that with You. We thank You and we praise You in Jesus' Name. And all your wonderful women said, Amen.